Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pursuit for Purpose podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Cabana. We have a great conversation ahead of us. We'll be talking about one of, if not the most important component of becoming our best selves. We'll be talking about living your why. If this is your first time listening, Pursuit for Purpose brings the world's most passionate athletes and the coaches together to share our goals and aspirations. By helping provide the teachings and the principles of the greatest minds before us and the greatest minds with us, the people around us will receive the foundations to build the rest of their lives and become champions of character. This week, we're joined by Coach Kurt Hines. Coach Kurt Hines is a difference maker. He's the head coach of Coronado High School Football. He's won plenty of games, plenty of championships, and for the past 20 years plus years, he's been an impactful coach in high school football, but he also has an extensive reach through the power of social media. His videos, stories, perspectives, passions, and insights touch the heart of those that take in his messages. He is a husband, a father, and a fearless believer. He has been featured on some great podcasts, and we are lucky to have the opportunity today to dive deeper into conversation that can make a positive impact on those that listen. Please welcome me in joining Coach Kurt Hines. Coach, thanks so much for being with us. Coach, I, 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 I hesitate to say a word after that introduction because I can only mess things up now, but uh, <laughs> I, I appreciate, as I said before we uh, started recording, I appreciate you taking the time to have me on. I'm, uh, I'm truly humbled to be here with you. That's, uh, I appreciate that, and, and I know that this is a conversation that uh, you know, I've been looking forward to just simply because um, you, know, you, you echo some powerful things that, that have been placed on my heart and I just look forward to, to learning from your perspectives and your, and your experience and, and to how, you know, those two things can collide and, and help us, you know, grow together in this conversation and hopefully those that are, that are listening to it. So, you know, to jump into the first one, you know, Kurt, you know, again, just thank you for taking the time to join me and for us to have the conversation. But when did knowing your why become so important to your overall mission in life? Great question. I, and I love how you phrase it as far as because so often that question is posed to me in, in one form or another as far as coaching. But in terms to my life, I would have to say it was getting married at the age of 22. And the reason I say that is I I was always a people person. I've always loved people. I was one of the high school football players that, you know, there are little cliques between soccer players, football players, basketball, the you know, the kids that smoked in our in the quad growing up in Rhode Island in the you know in the eighties or whatever. Um, I get along with everyone, the great majority of everyone. Um, but I spent a lot of time way too early from seventh grade through college of just drinking and fighting, drinking and fighting, drinking and fighting, and then drinking, fighting, getting arrested. And that just kind of escalated. <clears throat> and my wife and I met, uh, we were 21 years old and, uh, very early on, I realized I didn't ever want to be that father or husband that overheard my wife apologizing to our children for my behaviors so i realized it was kind of an aha moment for me a paradigm shift of i've been blessed by being raised by great parents <clears throat> always blue collar middle of the road income people but never needed anything um and i felt like i not that i was throwing my life away but i was not living to my fullest potential by any stretch of the imagination so i remember having a dream or kind of a daydream of hearing my wife apologizing to our children for my drunken behaviors you know, whether, whatever it was. And thank God that never happened. But I made the decision when my wife and I get married to quit drinking and, and to really just start living the life that I believe I've been called to live. And for me, my why all comes down to, uh, and you, you I, I apologize, I haven't listened to your podcast yet, but just speaking to you a little bit offline, you know, you mentioned your faith and I, that means the world to me, my faith. And I love hearing other people share theirs. For me, the power of my why is knowing who I am, and whose I am. And that, that, that surpasses everything else because I think so few people in life truly know who they are or whose they are. And for that, that guides everything I do. I love it. And it's, it's to hear you share that, and, uh, you know, it's, it's powerful and, and palpitating, uh, honestly, of, of just being able to, to feel, you know, when that shift happened in your life. And, and obviously that was at, uh, you know, an age early on in the relationship for yourself, and, and you've gotten to grow in it from there. And, um, you know, I usually ask this question a little bit later, but, but I know, you know, we're talking about our why, we're talking about a lot of things that are built upon this. But, you know, my favorite question to ask everybody is, you know, what is your purpose? 
Yeah. My, my, my purpose, hands down, I truly believe to my core, I've been called to bless and empower as many people as I can. And I've been blessed with two platforms. I, I'll, I'll say two plus, you know, first and foremost, as a husband and a father, you know, as a grandfather, now I got two grandsons, but you know, outside of my family, I, I truly believe to our core, that's where so many people miss the mark. And we try to be a blessing to others. And we miss being a blessing to the mo most important people in our lives, first and foremost. Um, but yeah, I mean, as, as a teacher of elementary school, I've, I've always taught for 28, going in my 28th year teaching, kindergarten, our first grade through fourth grade, and my 25th or 26th year coaching high school football, I, I feel like I'm the, I'm the blessed one. I, I have the opportunity every day, as long as I don't let my ego, and I was talking to someone else earlier about that EGO edging God out, um, as long as I don't allow my ego to detract me from my goal of being a blessing to others. Every single day I get out of bed, I have a captive audience of students and student athletes that I can change and empower countless lives every day. And not a lot of people can say that. Not that they don't have the ability. There's not much special about me, but I've accepted the calling I believe I've been blessed with and try to make as much of an impact as I can. That's, that's, a, that's a really important aspect of, of this whole process is accepting our calling you know there, there's many times I think that uh, many of us go through the processes of growth and, and finding it and knowing that hey it might have always been there sitting sitting along the way but you know how does how does that make you feel to to have accepted that calling that you feel like has been put on you by you know by the man upstairs and it, by your faith and you know by by your heart of where you're at you know where do you where do you see that even taking you at that next level you're you're here you're, you've done all this work. You, what's your bigger vision? Where, where, where are you working towards to see farther? Great question. It makes me feel humbled and honored. You know what's funny? And, and, and I, I want your honest feedback with this. I don't feel like there's a next level I'm chasing. And what I, what I mean by that is I, people ask me all the time, and sometimes it's the closest people to me, family and friends, that don't understand the intricacies of the game. But they're like, oh, you should be coaching at the, the college level or you should be in the pros. And I have zero desire to coach at any level higher than high school right now. Now, God might open that door, present that opportunity at some point down the road. But for me, I'm living my dream right now. I'm married to my best friend of 28 plus years. We have four children, two grandsons. I love where I teach. I love what I teach. I love where I coach. And, and I'll say this now uh, without mentioning the school about Three months ago, I got a private message on Twitter from an athletic director in Georgia. Really, really nice message he sent me. More or less saying, Coach, followed you for years. Our head coach just stepped down. Love to have you fly out here. Our boosters can show you around. And, and it would be a dream coaching job. It would have been a lot more money than I make. I'm making now, a lot more. I would have been doing three periods of football throughout the day or three or four and then three or four in the afternoon of just coaching whatever I need to get done. It, it was just a dream come true, kind of a out of the movies type opportunity. So I reached out to the gentleman and I said, Hey, I really, really appreciate you reaching out. I have zero interest in leaving. My wife and I moved out to California to be closer to our two grandsons, one at the time, two now. Um, I said, but I'm always open to, to, to relationships. So I'd love to, to talk to you. So I spoke to the gentleman for about an hour. And he, the more I spoke to him, the more I thought, why did I even talk to this guy? Because it was just <laughs> sounding better and better and better. But, but the better and better and better was all worldly stuff. And this guy, this guy's a believer and he's successful. So I said, give me, I said, give me a week. Let me talk to my wife. Let me pray about it. Let me, let me talk to some family and friends. So I talked to my wife and, and she also kind of was like, oh my gosh, we, we could do this and we could do that and all these different possibilities. And the more we prayed about it, the more we talked about it, it just didn't feel right. So the following Friday, I'll make this quick. I don't want to go too long. I called him. I might go to the high school. I, I teach fourth grade at off island at a different uh, school than where I'm a head coach. And I called him and I said, hey, so-and-so against Kurt Isaac. And he said, coach, your ears must have been ringing. We were just talking about you. I have some great news. And he paused and I slipped right in and I said, let me stop you there. I said, I really appreciate it. It's not the right timing. It's not the right timing. And, and he understood why, because I started the conversation by saying, hey, my faith means everything to me. This is, you know, and I didn't burn any bridges. And that door, made, that particular door may never open again. 
but I'm okay with that. And I went home and my wife said, Hey, how'd the conversation go? So I told her and she said, well, what was the great news? I said, I never asked. And she, I said, and she's like, Oh my gosh, how do you not, is that going to kill you? I said, no, I said, because it doesn't matter what dollar amount he sent out, whatever it was housing stuff or any other stuff. I said, my why right now is to be the best husband, father, grandfather, teacher, coach I can be. And so I said, so that's a long answer to your question. I, my, my vision, my prayer is to just keep doing what I'm doing and bless as many people as I can. One of the things we always preach to our, our young men is to be where your feet are. Yes. You know, yes. And, and you, I know I'm preaching in the choir. You coach baseball at several different levels. How often, and we're guilty of this as coaches. How often do we show up to practice, but our mind is a conversation I need to have with someone else, or I got to talk to my wife about this, or I got to do this. And none of us can be in all places at one time. We're, 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 we're not God. You know, and there's such beauty and power to say, hey, for the next two hours, two and a half hours, however long our practice is, I'm going to literally and figuratively and spiritually, emotionally be where my feet are and be present. And I tell our players, listen, you have homework. You can't solve it here on the football field. You have a girlfriend you got into a fight with. Your parents might be upset about the way you left your bedroom, whatever it is. Be where your feet are. Own these next two hours and allow yourself to be here. And I think there's such beauty and power and joy and for all of us being where our feet are. No, I think you hit the nail on the head and, and I think it's important for you as a, to, to bring that uh, to light because there are many people who are always chasing the next thing and not present where they're at. So I think it's more powerful that you've been able to be challenged with those opportunities of allowing your vision to move forward, but realizing that there's still something to achieve right here, right now that you're not ready, you know, to, to move on from and that you've enjoyed the experiences that you're doing. You moved here for a reason. And, uh, you know, I think that that's powerful and a testament to, you know, who you, who you are and, and who you're continuing to grow into because those memories with the grandbabies and the, and the, and your children and, you know, the, the young men that you have in your care right now are, are still being cultivated and made, but yet that has to be empowering and, and something that makes you even stronger, knowing that you are given that power to make a difficult decision uh, to, to, to stay put. Um, and even though you were tempted with the, the, the wonder of what could be, you know what you have right now, and you weren't willing to walk away from the quality of life that you're, you've created and what you can continue to create with those around you. So I think that that's really powerful uh, and a, a great perspective for you to share. Well, and I appreciate that. And I also want to share, it goes back to, for me, it goes back to how you, how I, how we as individuals define success. Because I have some great, great friends of mine who success is, whoa, whoa, Kurt, what are you talking about? You're coaching Division Four football in San Diego now. That would be 6A or 7A, forget the, <clears throat> get the school. It's one of the biggest schools in Georgia. You know, they have a jumbotron, they have this and they add that, and the boosters pays this much and your salary is going to I mean, the salary alone, would, would be, it was far going to exceed what I make as a teacher and a coach now combined, far exceed. And the cost of living is cheaper. But for me, the definition of success has, not, yes, I want to, yes, I want to pay my bills. Yes, I, I'm blessed to be able to pay my bill, our bills, my wife and I, and go on some vacations. But I'm not defining success by the car I drive or the bigger house I have, or, or clearly by what I'm wearing now, I don't care about the fashion, you know, the money I put into clothes. But I have too many friends who I know and love who struggle with basing their success in life as a husband or a father or a wife as their job and, and what they're producing. And that that's all fleeting. And, and talk about, I know you've heard this before. I think everyone that's ever been to church by you know, more than a, a two or three times heard the saying that you never see a hearse carrying or towing a U-Haul. <laughs> you know, I, I had our pastor say that one time and he was talking about possessions in life. And I'm a firm believer. God doesn't care what he, what we have. He cares what has us. And if my heart is in the right place, I'm going to, I can thrive and change as many lives here in San Diego at a division four school. And in for, I know every state's different in California division, open division is the highest than division one, two, three, four, five, six, and down. Um, it doesn't matter what the logo is on our shirts or what the level is. If we're coaching for the right reasons, we can change lives as long as we are allowing ourselves to be where our feet are. Absolutely. And, and, we definitely did not get into a, uh, a coaching career because the lucrativity of, no, of it has no. aspect. It, it's, and I think the best coaches definitely get in it for, you know, who we can help people become, not 
not by what we're getting paid in that process of doing it. And that's why, you know, I shared with you before we started chatting that, you know, I just knew that if I could make any of my income derivative of sports, you know, that's joy for myself because it's just what I grew up with of that opportunity to just play a game. And, and now that I've gotten this opportunity to help convey the life lessons and perspectives and disciplines and values that we learn in sports and apply it back to the other more important areas of our life, you know, that's, that's the real mission for myself of, of helping bridge that gap uh, of yeah. taking what we learn in sports and applying it to, to the more fundamental areas of, of what makes us a more, you know, serviceable human being. And as Zig Ziglar says, you know, becoming a meaningful specifics instead of wandering generalities. Amen. So I wanted to ask, you know, we, we hear this term servant leadership. What does that mean to you? Um, I'm not a fan of it. I think leaders should be at the top and just tell people what to do and be served. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> for, for, for me, for me it, 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 it means um, I, I, the only reason I became a head coach is because I just sit in this seat and tell people what to do. No, I, it's one of the things I'm most passionate about. And some of the greatest leaders from my own father who passed away three weeks ago to people I was blessed to be able to be in their classroom as a student, people I played under, maybe never even heard the term or the phrase servant leadership. But ever since it came out, and I forget who, who the first person to coin it was, um, you look at the greatest servant leader of all time, our Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, I mean, his whole purpose for 33 years was to bless and empower and serve others from washing of their feet to whatever it is. Um, what, what it means to me is everything. It's, it's, I think it's important to know our why. I made a mistake early on in my career the first time I was a head coach where I knew my why. And about a year or two into, I thought, wait a minute, I haven't shared my why with the people I'm blessed to coach and the people I'm blessed to coach with. And then I started to share my why with them. And I thought that was enough. And then as we all grow through life, I thought, wait a minute, I need to find out what their why is. Why are they coaching? Why are they playing this sport? Why do they get out of bed in the morning? Why do they do X, Y, and Z? You know, the, my why drives everything I do and servant leadership. When I left, when my wife and I left New Hampshire, I went from being a head coach that lost every game our first year. Now it's a disclaimer was we had no seniors yet. It was a brand new high school. But I, I jokingly tell people, my first year as a head coach in New Hampshire, we set records in the state of New Hampshire. And everyone's like, really? <laughs> and you can see people like intrigued. Some people are like, all right, who's this cocky guy? What it is? The record we set, I say jokingly, but the record I feel like I set was getting our teeth kicked in more than any other school in the history of football. Because <laughs> at the end of every game, when you walk through and shake hands, whether you win or lose and you say, hey, good game. We, I, we were so bad that no one even lied to us. They would shake my hand and go, beautiful stadium great field i was like man did they feel so bad for me that they're not even gonna lie to me right um, right but oh, we man. we and, and as as your listeners are hearing i'm using the word we in all caps bold-faced italicized underlined highlighted any we built a powerhouse from getting our teeth kicked in my first year as head coach losing every game to winning two games to my last four years as head coach there i was a head coach there for seven years we went to the state championship three out of the four years, had 144 young men in the program. And in New Hampshire, that was a huge program. And we built a powerhouse. My wife and I left there. The only reason we left there was because my why, I truly believe to my core, I've been called, as I mentioned earlier, to serve and empower as many people as I can from my family, to my students, to my student athletes. We had a grandson and I didn't want to, as cool as this is, I didn't want to do this with my grandson. I wanted to be able to hold them, hug them, throw them up in the air, catch them hopefully all the time. Um, so so we, we left a powerhouse program, everything and everything we knew in, in New Hampshire, huge leap of faith. You know, my, my wife and I had not sold our house yet. My wife didn't have a job yet. And my wife, we do our finances together, but she's far smarter than I am. So she really does the finances. And she said, Kurt, this is about a month before we left, through tears, she said, we're not that family that can afford one month of rent and one month of mortgage. I'm like, I know we're not. She's like, well, how are we doing this? We haven't sold our house. I said, Jill, I said, we can live the rest of our lives in New Hampshire at a great football program that we created and see our grandsons once or twice a year, or we can trust God. And before I go on with that, one of my favorite quotes is, God will help you move mountains in your life, but don't be surprised if he hands you a pick and a shovel. So <laughs> I, 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 
I have, I have what I believe for myself personally is great faith in, in my Lord and Savior. And at the same time, I realized we got to do our part. But I said to my wife, "Let we've just got to trust him. We got to go out there and do our work, network, and all that." So we sold, we signed over power of attorney to our realtor for our house, someone we knew well, and went to church with. Hit the road to drive across country, and it wasn't until our third day in the trip across country she called and said, "Hey, your house sold." And my wife and I just started crying. We we're in my truck, started crying, tears of joy. We we're like, "All right, that that's one answered prayer, or one more." Thank you. We got out here. She didn't have a job for a week. We're like, oh, all right. Oh, two weeks. We're like, oh, okay, three weeks. I thought I might be one month and done. Go back to New Hampshire and I don't know what. She ended up getting a job. And we're doing better now in California than we did in New Hampshire. And the cost of living is not comparable. It's a lot. It doesn't make sense. It, does, <laughs> yeah. it, it doesn't make sense. But we're thriving here in ways that to go back to one of your earlier questions about what's next for me, I'm living my dream right now. I'm living my dream and God has blessed me more than I deserve. I think he's blessed all of us more than we deserve. And if I can just give back every single day and make this world a better place, then I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to my grave. Hopefully not soon, but I'm going to go to my grave. A happy man who had lived his calling. That that was a fantastic quote that you had, you had mentioned. And I, I'm, you know, sitting here looking at my, my new office and I'm feeling like that's got to go up on a wall somewhere for sure. Because, you know, we, we do ask a lot. We ask a lot of our prayers to be answered. Of, of our calling to be placed on our heart of, of just anything that we want, but we forget that we got to do the work, you know, we, we got to do the work that it's not always miraculous, but it's sometimes just miraculous that the thought got placed on your heart, you know, and you gotta, gotta take appreciation for, for the things that you do have and the journeys that you've been through. And I think it's, it's awesome that you guys have gotten to be strengthened in, you know, your own faith and your own experiences by what you've been through, because now, the next thing that's that's put in your way, you know, we can overcome. And, you know, one of the other things that you had mentioned, uh, you know, in, in sharing about building a program is I, I just love that mentality. I love the opportunity to rebuild or build up, or start, you know, because I love Inky Johnson's adage of, you know, somebody's got to go first. And yep. I'm just not afraid to to find the people that go first, because I believe if you go about it in the right way, you'll find the people that are supposed to serve with you. So, you know, what does going first mean to you? Leading by example. You know, I, <clears throat> I, I love teaching. I've taught, as I mentioned, at elementary school for 20 years. I think sometimes teachers and good people, good people, but are the worst students because they'll sit in the break room and the lunchroom and complain about some of their students talking when they shouldn't be in class. And then we'll go with the same staff to a staff meeting. And as the principal or whoever's speaking, they're doing the same thing their students do. I, I think, you know, it, it's some of the greatest people in my life. My father, who's passed away, my, my Uncle Bernie, who passed away 10 years ago or so, and, and other people. I don't remember a lot of one-on-one -on -one conversations or the specific things they said. And we've heard this said before, but I remember how I felt around them. I felt, I felt valued. I felt important. I felt that my presence made a difference in their lives. And I think for going first, it is lead by example. We, I love working out with our team. Can I run as fast as I did when I started coaching 25 years ago? And I was never that fast anyways. Absolutely not. Can I still lift as much? Yeah, I can for today. A year from now, five years from now, 10 years, probably not. But I still show up early, like we tell our players to do. You know, if you're on time, you're late. You know, look around to, <clears throat> to help others and stuff. And my son, my wife and I have three daughters and one son. And uh, part of where his heart is, my father just passing and stuff, reached out to me and asked to be coaching our staff. Wow. And I had asked him a few years ago, and I, I jumped at the chance to have him. I said, Broxton, absolutely. <laughs> he came to the workouts today, and uh, I, I was sweating like a pig, and I wasn't even working out. I was just spotting the guys and teaching and modeling some things. And uh, the reason I share that is he's like, you look like you're working out, he said to me. And I said, well, I am kind of, you know, a little bit. But it's all leading by example in what we do. Um, that that's what it means to me to to, to go first or be first. I, I I really enjoy that and I appreciate you sharing that. You know and appreciate you sharing you know, <clears throat> some vulnerableness as far as just you know the aspect of what real life has has placed on you know your plate and everything that you have to deal with. But you know, do you see that the experiences that you just had to deal with, you know? allow you to start moving towards more strength based upon what you what you've been through what you've grown through and 
you know, and, and the perspectives that you've had in the past and having to experience with what you've experienced in the present, does that guide your future towards more strength because of what you've been built on? Absolutely. I, I love how you worded that. You know, one of my, uh, I think I have a lot of pet peeves, um, driving slow in the fast lanes, one of them, not putting shopping carts back, another one. But in the, in the, in the coaching world um, or in the sports world, and you see it all over Twitter, which I'm a big fan of, but you see a lot of players and sometimes coaches tweet out, I'm not taking any more L's, no more L's, you know, no more losses. <clears throat> and I hate that because so much, to go to your question, so much of my personal success in life in relationships and teaching and coaching has come from going through those losses, going through those defeats, being punched square in the face by life and saying, all right, what's next? What, you know, what, what else can you throw at me? And I think the more we try to avoid challenges, the more we try to avoid defeat, the less room we have for growth, you know, the, the, the less room we have for opportunities to really dig deep. My first year coaching, I already told you about my record, 0 and 10 or whatever it was, was my greatest coaching year to date. Now I have to be honest, it, was, it sucked. It sucked. It was not enjoyable, but it was my greatest coaching year to date. And I've had years, as you mentioned, where we, we have won championships. But by greatest, I mean, it really made me look in, my, in the mirror every single day, knowing that I was being judged by my assistant coaches, by our players, by the parents, by the grandparents, by my wife and children. You know, I'm probably not my wife, but <clears throat> or children. But when you, when you face defeats in life and, and losses, it really makes you ask yourself, why? What is my why? Why am I doing this? And you'll, you'll know this, Coach. Congratulations again on the new job, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and, and I always hesitate to say this, and, and I hope people listen carefully to how I'm saying this. Being an assistant coach, in my opinion, at any level, any sport, takes time, dedication, sacrifice, and I love and respect 99% of coaches that do that. Being a head coach is a lot more. Okay, I'm not saying we're smarter, but we dedicate a lot more time, a lot more headaches. But for me, the why, it could have been, it would have been really easy after losing every game my first year as a head coach to pack it in. It's like, yeah, I'm going to go back to where I came from, be an assistant coach. And the, 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 the losses are a little less painful and a little less, you know, whatever. Um, but for me, my why of being a head coach is because I want to have the power to hire men and women that I can stand side by side with that have the same love for people as I do. And then I can help teach them about football. You know, I, I, I've had some great coaches. I've been blessed to coach with that come into coaching without any experience coaching before and up being phenomenal coaches because they are people, people first. And then I've coached with some coaches that have a lot of experience playing and coaching the game, but people that I don't enjoy coaching or don't see eye to eye with at all because they use people for their own agenda. So yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think, the losses and, and the punches to the throat and face and whatever you want analogy you want to use are such as much as they sting and hurt. They're such a blessing if we allow them to be. I think that's such a, a perfect response that that allows me to kind of ask that and, and another great question that that I felt like you can you can answer and you know what are the life lessons within sports that allow us to help move our athletes towards discovering their why. Yeah, love that question. <clears throat> I'm going to start by saying another pet peeve of mine. Um, how, how often do we hear sports build character? I used, to believe, I used to believe that until I coached on a staff with someone who bullied kids, who used kids, and who was an arrogant Neanderthal dumb jock coach who should have never had a whistle around his neck. And obviously I won't say his name of the program. I believe sports build character when coaches intentionally yes. model and teach character. And there's such a difference. Um, I, I think the life lessons that we as coaches are blessed to be able to impart and share come through relationships first and foremost. Come through showing our transparencies, showing our weaknesses and our insecurities as much as we show our strengths. So... I think most of our players, high school level or even collegiate, I'm guessing because I've never coached the college level, but they sometimes, and they may not work this way, but put coaches on a pedestal and think, well, they got think they got life figured out. They're they're a head coach. They're they're an OC or a DC or whatever it is, or a manager of a team. And 
we're, we're just as messed up as anyone else. And we just had more experience being messed up, you know? And <clears throat> I often will tell our players when, when they're struggling with something about the arrests I had going growing up and how I got into a fight with three police officers. They had three felonies for a time period before they got lowered and all that stuff. And I share that when I, sh- when I, I don't share with everyone, but when I share with players, it's to say to them, listen, you are who you are because you choose to be this way. Like, like this is not the end of your story. Like if you choose to write a new chapter, you're the author, pick up the dang pen. Let's get writing. Let's write this story together. And, and I love that because sometimes they look at me like, whoa, wait a minute. Like you got arrested. I'm like, listen, I got arrested honestly more times than I can remember. I, I get in more trouble than I'd love, ever love to admit ever. But through those heartbreaking situations for my parents, through those really heartbreaking times in my life you know, that they were mostly, you know, due to my own, re- not mostly, they were 100% because of my own actions and poor character at certain times in my life. They've helped create the man I am today. Right. And, and, and then we try to help them avoid some of the brick walls that we drive right into, but we have to understand, and that helps you know your own perspective that they're going to make their own mistakes, but who yes. can you be to help pick them up after those mistakes that allows them to move towards the better direction that you even found for yourself and, you know, help them stay off of that path to realize that, you know, we are human. You are going to make your mistakes. You are going to have your transgressions. You are going to have your downfalls, but that doesn't define all of who you are. And so I, I really appreciate you sharing and stating that, you know, you can, you can change your story by, by picking up the pen and, and Absolutely. continuing to write a different story. And, you know, I, uh, I don't know why that triggers the, the thought, but during a summer league baseball game this year, um, a young man, uh, we had done a camp earlier in that day and we invited all the kids that came to the camp to our game free of charge. And one of the kids came back and gave one of my players a note with a, a positive saying on it that said, you know, you're always one decision away from a completely different life. And, you know, that in that moment, you know, just kind of made me well up and I kind of, kind of turned away from the kid because, you know, it put me, put me right back into my own place of knowing that I wouldn't be here, you know, in that moment with him, unless five years prior, I had decided to change my own life. And, you know, it, those kind of things, uh, you know, I know it, it might not always reach everybody, but when, when you kind of get to feel and, and live in what some of these quotes and things are, you know, it, it really helps gain that perspective of, you know, some of the significant changes that we've made. And I think a lot of times we need that, that power, um, to realize like how much has changed in a short amount of time and how, how many people we have to thank for, for those changes. Um, and, you know, I know that wasn't so much of a, of a question, but, you know, how often do you find yourself in reflection and uh, of, of, of just being thankful and grateful for, for where you are and where you came from? Yeah. Great, great question. Daily, 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 daily. Um, I'm going to tie this, tie this in, but my wife and I for over 28 years now we've been married pray together, pray together every morning and every night. And then I, in the morning we say prayer. I get in the shower. I put on some worship music. I start praying some more. I'll be driving to work and see a homeless person, whatever. And I often think back to something my mother would always say, and she would say there, but there, but by the grace of God. And I'm reminded daily that as you just mentioned, one thought, one action, one word can change our lives, good or bad in a heartbeat. And I, I think as cliche as it may sound coach, living with an attitude of gratitude is a game changer. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so many people, <clears throat> I actually heard someone, I wish I heard, who, I, I wish I remembered who said it, but someone said that we need to, to sell, I'm paraphrasing, but something about celebrate the mundane. And I, that just struck a chord with me. It's that monotony of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, hey, Thursday, hey, we're close to the weekend, Friday, and our whole persona changes. And several years ago, I was like, what am I doing? You know, we, we're only not guaranteed any amount of time on this planet, but the, the time that we have is limited. And if we save our, our joy for the weekends, for game days or whatever it may be, holidays, we're, we're, we're missing out on the greater 80% of our lives of the mundane and the mundane itself for most of us is a blessing in itself. Some, somebody very recently had just asked me about why I started doing my Monday mindset videos. And I didn't have the, the appropriate answer, but I knew it, of course, after stating it and walking away and remembering really why. 
it was exactly what you talked about. I did not enjoy how many people disrespected Mondays because, oh, it's Monday, just getting past the weekend. And I thought there was power to bringing that, that mindset to, that's my favorite day now. It's a day that I look forward to because it's the start of my week. And, you know, I get to build my week and encourage my week by just setting that perspective of what I'm going to, to take on this week with and the mindset that I'm going to approach it from. So I, I appreciate you sharing that mentality of celebrating the mundane because that's, that's exactly why, you know, Monday has been the day that I wanted to choose to, to spread a positive message because there's so many people who walk around and just say, oh, it's Monday, you know, another yep. Monday. And, and it's just, you know, I smile and, and, and just smile and laugh a little bit and say like, it's, it's my favorite day. So, I mean, I'm glad it's Monday, you know, so, but. Um, and it becomes, a, sorry, just to add real quick, sorry. It becomes, I, I believe a self-fulfilling prophecy right. of, I mean, we go into the week of, oh, it's a work week. I got to have four days before I can feel good on Friday. You know, it's just, we're setting ourselves and those we're blessed to be around up for failure. You're absolutely right. It, it, it is setting setting your entire week up for failure. And there's no reason that every day shouldn't be as gratifying and, and full of gratefulness as as every other day, because you know, just try not living one of them for sure. And, Amen. Um, how does your family life and your faith lead you towards serving, you know, in your bigger picture? Marrying the right person. <laughs> Man, I, I feel I feel like I feel like we could do a podcast uh, daily on that and never cover all the the right the important details. Um, I married my best friend twenty eight plus years ago. She loves that I coach. I love that she loves that I coach. She supports me. Um, I think as as and hopefully I'm, I'm answering your question here, but I, I coach with gentlemen over the years that say, and I believe they they mean this. They say they want to help make better young men and better young women but their actions show anything but that i'm not even talking about the, the jack wagon coaches that bully and use people but i think sometimes as coaches we braggadociously tell our assistant coaches or our players oh yeah you know my, my family doesn't see me during the season and they know they're football widows well, well, then what are we modeling are we helping create more generational people that put their job even if they if it's the job they're passionate about above their family so for me and I know this is not a popular statement, but both opportunities in New Bedford, New Hampshire and here in Coronado, California, when I've been blessed to be a head coach, we do not have Sunday coaches meetings ever. And I tell our staff that right out of the gates, I'm like your wives, your kids, your grandkids, or if you're single, your girlfriend, whatever it is, or if not you, we need a day a week at least to have our families know that they are a priority. Now I'll watch film still on Sundays. I'll still break things down, but I do it when, when my kids were younger, when they were napping. Or my wife and I might go to the beach or spend some time together and go to a cookout or a family dinner, but I'm doing it at other times. It's not taking away from our family. I think success on the field, court, rink, whatever sports we might coach, um, is not only fleeting, but it's more of a failure if we're succeeding outside of the home and not focusing on winning daily in our home. Yeah, yeah. I love it. And, you know, it reminds me, of, and not to take take your words, but to give you credit for for them. I just love that adage of you you stating, you know, uh, winning a championship ring is not worth losing your wedding ring. And, you know, and, you know, it's it's a part of the reason why I feel like we're trying to do these things. We can't try to claim that we should be helping these good behaviors and then model poor behavior that does something counter, you know, in development of what we're trying to do. How are they supposed to respect our opinions if we're it's it's a lot more of do as I say, not as I do. And that's that's not the way that that it's it's supposed to be. But you know, what were some of your inspirations to you that have made positive impacts and how you go about living your why? Just me. I'm not good. It's just me. I'm, <laughs> kidding. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just um, kidding. You, you know, so many, so many. I'm going to start with Mr. Nicholas, who's a seventh grade math teacher. And I was not, math has never been my strong suit and probably never will be. Um, he would sit on the corner of his desk in seventh grade. I remember like it was yesterday and just talk to us about life, anything to the girls. Hey, how's basketball going? Cheerleading, field hockey, whatever. It's the guys, football, whatever, theater, whatever we did. And I remember sitting there in, in seventh grade thinking to myself, I want to teach. And prior to that, I was never a good student, but I remembered the connection he had. And for me, so often I'm reminded of him. 
I could I could lie, but I would be lying. And I said, hey, from there, I started getting A's in math. I didn't. I'd probably still sneak by with a B minus or a C plus. But I remember not wanting to let him down because I knew he cared about me as a person. So it goes from first and foremost, my parents, but I have aunts and uncles, teachers. I've had coaches that I've coached, that I've played for. Um, and, th- and then, honestly, people like you, Coach, j- just the blessing of social media. I, th- I think there are people – well, I think most people watching this are on, on social media at some point, whether it's YouTube <laughs> or – but, but I, I think it's so easy for people to say, oh, social media, it's, it's, it's negative. It's, I think it's like a loaded gun. In the right hands at the right time, for the right reasons, it's going to do a lot of good. And it can do a lot of damage if we don't use it properly. Um, I, I, I get inspired. Someone asked me a few podcasts ago. They said, hey, you're – I'm paraphrasing what they said, but something to the effect of coach, you're always pouring to other people. What, how do you, how do you get filled up? How do you know? It's honestly, honestly, coaching fills me up and having conversations with other passionate people like yourself, fill me up. It's just, I think 99.9% of success and joy in life comes down to relationships. You know, you think about it, you see a beautiful sunset, at least for me, I want to like, where's my wife? I want to, I want to point it out to her. You want to share those beautiful moments with people. And in the heartbreaking times, you look to console and be consoled by and then just strengthened by people that you know and love. Uh, it's all about relationships for me. And I think that is really, really just empowering uh, and, and heartwarming to honestly hear you say, because, you know, as we climb the ladder of perceptive success, as we as we go towards, you know, fulfillment and and living our our why and doing these different things nobody wants to look to your left and right and see nobody there you know it's the aspect of exactly like you said you want to be able to look and and share in those moments with those people and I don't feel like anything that we do as we move forward is worth it if we don't bring others with us and you know I I think that it that there's a lot of that in what you had just said of being able to you know yes you're doing these things and you're sharing this these values and you're connecting with these people, but that is so enriching in the process because, you know, I, I I know that this, like I stated is, is for the one, for the one person that makes a positive impact in, but I know unintentionally selfishly that I'm getting so much out of this as a human being and I'm growing and how would I not continue to grow and serve in a good light if I'm surrounding myself with people who continue to fill me up and pour pour into me as much as I'm trying to pour into others. So I, I feel like I owe it to all of the people that trust me to serve them that I need to be continue uh, to, to be, you know, poured into by, by others who have just such better and more empowering experiences than, than I even think I have myself. I, I love that. And, and I think about, I remember, I don't know why this just came to my heart, but when Passion of the Christ came out, I remember being in the movie theaters with my wife and her looking over at me. She's my best friend. But her looking over at me at one point, kind of like almost with disgust, bouncing <laughs> to her left with just snot bubbles. And you know, my, 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 my belief is, you know, Christ died for us, period. End of story. He died for us. You know, we have to accept him as our savior, but we don't have to do X, Y, and Z. I could be a strong Christian lock myself in my house, never do much damage to people and not do that much good. But that's not what I've been called for. You know, we've been called to be a light on a hill and go out there and we owe it to our savior. We owe it to our family members, our friends, those who are blessed to coach to be that light. And, and my prayer, it's funny, my wife and I, as I mentioned, we pray all the time. Every Friday, I, I pray, you know, for success in the football field and often, and I'm paraphrasing, but I'll pray something to the effect of pray that no one gets seriously hurt. And my wife, about four years into my coaching career or so, I remember she asked me one time after prayer, she's like, do you, do you hear yourself? I'm like, what are you talking about? She said, why don't you just pray that no one gets hurt? I'm like, Jill, it's a violent game. We yeah. want to hurt the other team within the confines of the game, not permanently, nothing serious, you know, whatever. But if I can hit you hard enough that you pack it in and go play tiddlywinks, I, I want to, you know, and then she asked me one time, she said, do you think God really cares if you win or lose? I said, I do. I do. I don't think he cares about the scoreboard. I don't think he cares about the winning, the winning championship rings. I think that he cares about winning the hearts of those I'm blessed to coach. And if I can get, if I, we can get more wins on the scoreboard and it attracts more individuals to our program, 
that's that many people that I can try to bless and serve to help change their lives. I think that's a really, I think that's a really interesting perspective on, on winning and losing because exactly that, like it still does matter in terms of the potential attractant nature of, of being able to continue serving and serving and serving is, is if you get that many people to buy in to the process, then inevitably it will work out there on the, on the field as well too. And, you know, it just really makes me, you know, go back to that much more of so many of the mentors that I have, you know, are about building the person first and, yeah. and the best of their athletic ability is surely to follow. And, you know, that leads me to one of my last two questions I have. And, you know, why is it so important to build the person behind the athlete? Because that person will not always be an athlete. You know, I, I think that's, that's my first response. I, I honestly, coach, I love being called coach as I'm, much as I love being called Kurt by my wife, dad by my kids, and papa by my grandsons. And the reason I love it just as much is because they may not be my family, but they, I believe, as, as preachy as this may sound, we are all brothers and sisters. I believe that we are all created by greatness for greatness to do great things. And coaching, coaching the person, first and foremost, change is transformative and changes lives and and, and I'll, I'll i know you have another question I'll, I'll end with this i always try to tell our assistant coaches listen it's easy to coach the studs they're already pretty good we're just making them a little bit better but if we just focus on the studs not only does it limit our program success it limit i believe it limits the belief system of our studs if they see us always spending time with them but walking by that kid that can barely bench the 45 pound bar can barely squat one 35, whatever it is, they're going to see that, hey, coach says he cares and loves about all of us, cares about all of us and loves us, but he's really spending a lot of time with the studs. And I love when sometimes I'm in the weight room, I'll spend 20 minutes until this morning with two freshmen that, I mean, I, I, I don't, I'm not going to mention names, obviously, but I don't know they can squat 65 pounds and I wish <laughs> I were, I wish I were kidding, but I spent a good chunk of time with them working on the cleans and it's going to take several months with these guys getting them there. But I know where all of our studs saw that too. And that's not why I did it. But by coaching the person and not just the player, you have to build relationships and you have to get to their hearts. And I think doing that as well too, like you said, the, the studs see that. And I think doing that allows them to know that I can also serve them as well too. You know, what is my gift if I'm not giving it back? And, and I can lift up this person who might have all the reason to be discouraged and make them feel that much more a part of the team and the camaraderie that you get with the group. You know, and that's just one of the things that I miss so much about being away from sports for so long was the camaraderie that you get within building a team and, and being a part of a team. And, you know, and that again, is just such a translatable skill in, into life. So. Amen. So in a time of life, that's been very hard on many of us to live normal lives. How did you get stronger? You know, what did you discover about yourself and what has been a challenge for the masses? When you say challenging, like some, something been going on the past few years? Is there some, <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you know, you know, it's funny. I, uh, gosh, that, that's, that's great. For me, two major things have happened. I, I love, love teaching. I feel like I've been called to teach and coach, but I did get prior, prior to 2020, I did, I'm not proud of it, but fall into that, like, uh, I got to go to school today and on the drive over to the Island to practice, like, yeah, practice, got to go to school. Today. And I would never let the students I taught in fourth grade know that made sure my energy was not any different, but I felt that we had, I teach at a private Christian school. We had those masks on those, those plexiglass partitions and stuff. Then we had a period where we were all online as, as much the country was. Now, literally, and I pray I never lose this. Every time I step into the classroom with no dang masks on, no partitions, and I'm in person, I thank God. Say thank you for letting me be here in person. The biggest lesson I've learned personally over the years, and I've said it for years, but I didn't really know the depth of the meaning for me personally, was to control the controllables. You know, I'm not going to get political. I don't care respectfully what side you, myself, others are on, whatever, but there are things we need to stand up for and fight for that is going to push us and it's not going to be comfortable. And there are certain things we just need to let go and say, God, I don't like it. I trust you. I'm going to keep trying to serve. 
And I think more than ever, the world needs, going to say it, men and women, but men like you, I take pride in men and myself, strong men and women who are going to go out there and say as dark and as nasty and violent and divided as the world is, we need to be soldiers for Christ now more than ever. Right. That's, that's just enriching to, to hear, you know, people convey their, their faith and power and just also, you know, in respect to everybody else's lives because we can't control what anybody else says or does but we can only walk in the light that we've been provided by and and i know that if we continue to to walk in that illumination and do it the right way surely other people will follow and then start shining light on others as well and you know coach i i've i've really really enjoyed the opportunity to, to chat and grow with you today you know and before you know it gets to wrapping up you know i just wanted to give you the chance to kind of have a little bit of the last word I, I appreciate you that the platform that you're putting out there to, to, to educate myself and others and to share your passion. Thank you. I, I, I guess my uh, final message would just be set out each day to make a difference in someone's life. I, I, I think if each of us woke up every day with that, our number one goal saying, God, give me someone to serve. We're going to be amazed and sometimes overwhelmed with the amount of people we have before us that we can serve because there is not a single person, in my opinion, that's ever lived a day in this life that hasn't had the opportunity to bless others. We just all too often pass by. That is awesome. Everybody uh, and, and coach, please, you know, before we wrap up, let, let everybody know how they can reach, uh, reach you, get a hold of anything that you're working on. And, uh, you know, and anything that you want to share that you are working on, like I said, you know, take a second to let the audience know. Appreciate you. Yeah, uh, just let me tell our players, I tell them, you know, on Twitter, don't put fast cleats 72, just put your real name, <laughs> real profile picture. So uh, on all social media platforms, it's Coach Kurt Hines, K-U-R-T-H-I-N-E-S. Um, and I, I was telling a gentleman earlier today, I, I make sure to respond to 100% of the DMs because I... For, for me, it's always a blessing, regardless of whether it's someone 20 years younger than me, same age, 20 years older, just connect with people, connect with people and uh, be a blessing and, and we'll be blessed by it. Awesome. Coach, thank you again for taking your time with, with us today. I know that other people out there listening got better in this process. So I see you guys it. next week. Appreciate everybody's time. Have a nice one.